0: Welcome to broadcast 1132. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience or at church1132.com. We're starting a brand new series uh, today called The Table, and we're going to go to Luke chapter 5. Uh, Luke chapter 5 to start this. And so I, I want to talk to you today. Um, and I'm going to talk to you like your leaders. Everybody in the room and all our campuses, I'm, I'm going to talk to you like your leaders. Because I believe that God's called each and every person to not just occupy space, but also to lead in some capacity. So today is is, is going to be a message, and I believe it'll, it'll minister to you and challenge you, but I hope that this equips you, it provokes you into greater purpose for your life. And so we're going to go to Luke chapter 5, verse 27. We're going to look at some of the ministry of Jesus, how he ministered and how he led. Luke chapter 5, verse 27 says, after this, Jesus went out and he saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him, and Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. That's a salvation experience if you didn't know. Not like, not like come to church every once in a while, see what's, see what's happening. He got up, left everything, and followed Jesus. We need some more people that are just radical followers of Jesus. He got up, left everything, followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. And a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. Now, many of us talk about the disciples and when they started following Jesus, but I want to draw in on the, I want to, I want to, I want to just kind of like uh, zoom in on the last part of this passage that says this, after Levi started following Jesus, he said, I'm going to have a party. I'm going to have a party and I'm going to invite all the tax collector buddies over to my house and I'm going to invite Jesus. And Jesus said, okay. And he went. And Jesus sat there with a bunch of sinners, tax collectors no less, sat there with them and had dinner. And I want to talk to you from this series, the subject, The Table, because if you don't know this, most of Jesus' ministry did not happen on a platform or in a pulpit. It happened at a table. If you read throughout the New Testament, specifically in the book of Luke, you'll find meal after meal after meal that Jesus is sitting or reclining even at a table, and that is where we get most of the popular messages in which we preach today. We'll preach about Jesus doing this or Jesus doing that, Jesus saying this, Jesus saying that, and most of those messages did not come from a pulpit. They came from a table. They, they came from people sitting around, talking, chilling, sharing experiences, and Jesus ministering out of relationship. Growing up, uh, we always sat around the table for dinner. My, my mom and dad were really big about family nights. And uh, so as many nights as we could work out, that we'd be home for dinner, we would sit around the table. No electronics, right? Anybody remember those days? And um, you actually talked to people. And uh, now I can be in the same room with my mom and she'll be texting me. I'm like, you know, she's like hip like that. And uh, I'm like, mom, I'm right here. Could we have a little face-to-face? She's like, miss you. It's like, okay, that's weird. Um, So we would sit around the table and we would have five kids, my mom and dad, we would sit around the table. And and some of my fondest memories um, growing up um, were remembering times that we would laugh or talk around the table. That We'd tell stories, we'd recount the day, vacation, being around the table, home, being around the table. It is amazing what happens and maybe some of you can remember times growing up or maybe you have this in your own home right now that something happened around the table did you know that that meals are like a really important part of our life eating like some of you right now are thinking about like when is he going to get done so i can eat like some of you if you're like me i plan out what i'm going to eat like after i get done with the next service and i'm I'm, I'm gonna find i'm gonna find some food somewhere you know that most of our relationships even are centered around meals that, that we share meals. We, we hung out with some of our friends this weekend and, and took a little trip with them. And, and uh, do you know what we did? We ate. And then we'd do something and then we'd eat again. And then it seemed like not much lo- longer we would eat again. And then we thought we'd drive into town and eat. And then, I mean, everything centered around the table. And if you look through the life and the ministry of Jesus, he did a lot less proclaiming and a lot more relationship Relationship, connection, and communication. In, 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 the, in the book of Luke, a couple chapters later, in, verse, in chapter 7, verse 36, it says this. I want you to see Jesus' posture in this passage of Scripture. It says, when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and he reclined at the table. I just want to ask you, is your picture of Jesus, like, sitting at the dining room table, his feet up, chewing on a chicken leg, like, that's just not my view of Jesus, my perspective of Jesus is just so much more regal, so much more sacred, it's hard to picture him just like, sitting around the table, you know, "Pass, pass the salt and pepper, please, it's like, it's hard to see Jesus like that, but that's what he did. Jesus was reclined in this story in in, in Mark or in Luke chapter 7, in the verses after this, this is one of the greatest messages that Jesus preaches on forgiveness. And we would preach that message and we would think that Jesus proclaimed that message from the temple, but he didn't. He taught it at a table, He, he talked about it over a meal. On at least eight occasions, Jesus can be seen sitting down to meals with others. He fed the 5,000. He fed the 4,000. He had a last supper. He had a fish fry on the banks of the Gal- or at the banks of the, Galilee River, or Gal- the Sea of Galilee after he rose from the dead. I don't know if it was actually a fish fry, but he did have fish. So baked for some of you. Um, and he had fish. He had meals. Some people say Jesus ate his way through the gospels. Because experience to experience was Jesus sharing meals with the people that he had with him. He's sharing his life and teaching them at the same time. I read a commentary this week that said Jesus was killed for who and how he ate. Who he ate with, how he ate, and not how he preached. There was more controversy about who he had meals with than the things that he actually said. Because Jesus was known for having meals with sinners, with tax collectors. But yet Jesus, the Bible teaches us, was without sin. Now many of us here, you're already like, see, I told you I should hang out with my old friends. I got, I'm, I'm their mission field. Listen, you are a mission field if you go do what they're doing. Jesus was able to step into their world to still connect with them, not make them feel judged, but yet be without sin. For many of us, in art, attempt to be relatable, we also compromise our morals. But Jesus somehow had a way of being relatable, yet without sin. Perhaps before we invite people to Jesus, or we invite them to church, maybe we should just invite them to dinner. Jesus used a table as much as he used a platform. So I want to talk to you about the power of the table. I want to talk to you about the power of relational community. This is important. Wiley, this is important. This is, this is amazing. Coming to church, being in the presence of God. You can't get what we get here outside of here. There's something special about the body of Christ coming together. You can't get this just watching online. There's something about being in the atmosphere. There's something about the body being coming together. But I'm going to tell you in life, you have to have more than this. You, 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 you have to have more. There, there's hundreds and, and today thousands of people that we will be a part of our service and part of our gathering. And and you know that, that you don't know a lot of their names? And they don't know yours. So you have to be intentional about relationship. A lot of us, we want relationship to hap- happen accidentally. And if it doesn't happen accidentally, we think that there's something wrong with everyone else. But I'm going to tell you, every relationship that you care about you have to give intention to. If Jamie and I are not intentional about being together, we'll never see each other. But the relationships that you care about, you make room for or you make space for, and you have to be intentional about them. And Jesus showed through his life that he was intentional, not about his own comfort or his own life. He was intentional about the people that were around him. I read this this week. It says our dinner tables have the potential to be the most missional places in all of our lives. Our our, our own dinner tables. I want to talk specifically about dinner, but we're talking about the community space that each of us have in our own home and the space of our lives that we all use. We all eat. And ministry is not so much doing something that you never do. Ministry is doing something that you always do, but taking someone with you. Ministry is about taking someone with you through the things that you do in your life. It is not something that you do outside of you or outside of your personality or outside of your gifting. It's something that you already do, but you take someone along with you. I'm concerned that the world doesn't want what we have because they've only seen it in a seat and never actually in their real life. We've got too many people that are disconnected from reality because we're missional for the hour and 15 minutes that we're in these seats. But then we're different when we walk out of these seats. Jesus, he took on himself an assignment. Jesus was missional. And that same mission that was on Jesus now rests on us. When we say yes to Jesus, we're saying more than yes, I want to be saved, we're saying that we are taking on what he took on. The Bible says the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in us. The Bible says that we will do greater things than what Jesus did. That means that the same task, the same assignment, the same mission that was on Jesus rests on us. We've got a huge cry from younger generations to, I just want to be me. You know what? The call to follow Jesus is the sacrifice of that cry, that I don't have to be me. I want to be like him. Did you know that some definitions of Christian actually mean little Christ? It actually means that we are a representation or an example of him. So if we were to look at his life, and then we transfer that to our life, would there be a connection? Would there be a correlation? But Jesus wasn't always just preaching and teaching. Jesus wasn't even a pastor, per se. Jesus had connection. He had relationship. He walked through life, and the things that he did, he took people with him. Do you know the people that he invested in the most were not the 5,000, not the 4,000, not the crowds, not the multitudes? It was 12. And even out of the twelve, one betrayed Him. Even Jesus, the best to ever walk the face of the earth, the best leader that has ever walked on the face of the earth, even Jesus had one that turned His back on Him. It's, 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 not, a, it's not about batting a thousand. It's about whatever you're doing, taking someone along with you. I, I love this about Jesus. Jesus, in His life, in His ministry, and you see this, Jesus was touchable. Jesus wasn't above everyone else. He was with everyone else. I love in one version, when I was talking about Jesus, it says Jesus was among the people. I love that picture. He wasn't above the people. He wasn't distant from the people. He was with the people. He was touchable. You know what? My concern is that many times when believers, Christians, when they say yes to Jesus, they stop being touchable to the world. We get saved and we call this our little compound and we come in here with our little Christian selves and our little Christian songs and our little Christian ease and we forget that we once weren't here. And the people that we now judge were the things that we used to, maybe not so long ago, maybe if we're honest, still kind of struggle with because we're not so different. But Jesus had an ability to be touchable. Not only was he touchable, Jesus was relatable. This this kind of baffles me how Jesus did this, but how does a man that has never sinned relate with the woman that's caught in the act of adultery? How does a man who has never sinned connect with a proud Pharisee? He was relatable somehow. And I'm just going to say this, in relationship, you have the opportunity to say things that you never ordinarily would say. If your greatest platform is your social media platform, you are missing A valuable component of relationship. I love social media. I love what it allows us to do. Many of you found the church because of social media. And I love what it does. But at some point, you have to have a human connection. Beyond a post. Beyond a rant. Beyond a platform. Beyond a soapbox. And actually, a connection. Do you know that you would say way less to someone in your living room or around your table than you would to them on Facebook? So maybe the next time before you rant or argue someone on Facebook, invite them over for dinner. Just invite them to dinner. Let's let's talk. I would imagine your conversation would be different. Way less name-calling, way less shame. You would operate with a lot more grace because we operate differently face to face than we do behind our little screens. I love screens, I love technology, I love what we have, but Jesus had a way to be relatable even when he did not relate. He didn't relate with the same sin. He didn't relate with the same patterns and the, and, and, and the habits, but yet he was relatable. Jesus was approachable. I love this about Jesus. Jesus was approachable. How do we know this? The woman with the issue of blood saw that for some reason she thought it was okay to crawl through the crowd and to touch Jesus. For some reason, two blind men on the side of the road thought it was okay to not listen to anyone around them and cry out to Jesus. They, they thought that they could approach him. I don't know about you, but I like to think of Jesus as approachable. As approachable. People that were in sin patterns, sin cycles, bad living, they were not afraid to approach Jesus. And the call for me and for you is to take on what Jesus carried in our day-to-day lives, which is missional living, which is being on assignment, which means that we actually have a reason that we're on this planet, and it's not just to do good for us. That whatever God has saved us out of or brought us through, that we have a responsibility, a mandate to then pass that along to someone else. And this is where many people get really freaked out because they begin to think like, I'm not a teacher, pastor. I don't really got like all the theology down. I'm not an expert in eschatology. And hermeneutics really start like, it's not about that. It's about taking somebody with you. Along the things that you already do. Let me just talk to you again like leaders for a second. Let me talk to you about ministry. Ministry, as Church 1132, ministry is who we are. Not where we are. Ministry is not about location. It's about identity. Ministry is not something that we turn on and off. Ministry is not something that we do because we're here. And then we're something else somewhere else. I I feel like this is the greatest detriment to the Christian witness is people who minister on and off. That I'm in ministry. You ever heard this? I got to get in ministry mode. What concerns me is, what are you when you're not in ministry mode? I just have to think that Jesus didn't say, all right, I'm going to dinner. Let's get in ministry mode. Reclining at the table in ministry mode. Walking along the street in Jesus was on all the time. Well, I just need some me time. Hashtag self-care, Jesus. Now, Jesus says, here's your self-care. When you want to lose your life, you'll find it. If you, find, if, if, if you lay it all down, if you pick up your cross and follow me, that, that's what I'm talking about. That, that's what Jesus says. It's like, oh, yeah, all this little stuff like Give, follow when you want, follow how you want. No. He says to Levi, he says, you got to leave everything, follow me. Levi's like, all right, let's go. It, 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 ministry... It's who we are. It's who we are. It doesn't mean you don't rest. It doesn't mean you don't take breaks. It doesn't mean sometimes if you're an introvert, it doesn't mean sometimes being around people is difficult. It it, it means this. It means that ministry is not something that we put on like a mask. Ministry is something that beats deep within our heart. Jesus loved people. He loved the people that he did life with, that he walked with, that he sat down at tables with. Our ministry should not be defined by where we are geographically. The the same you at business should be the same you here. Same you at home should be the same you when you're out of town. That, That continuity of witness is what gives you power to minister. The, the, the greatest thing, that, the thing that could ruin your witness the fastest is you being two-faced. Hypocrisy. Have you ever heard people say, I don't want to go to church because there's a lot of hypocrites there? I always tell them there's always room for one more. Let's go. Let's joke it. joke It's All of us struggle to some degree, but ministry is not never failing. It's being honest with our failings. It's being honest with our struggles. It's being authentic with who we are. So the, the, the minister that is here is not something that is put on and different than the minister that is in the streets or around a table or in a business place. Ministry is not who we are. It is who we are and not where we are. The mission field is not the only place to be missional. Like we have mission trips going all over the world right now, and I love it. But you know something happens when someone goes on a mission trip. They're like, mission mode. Start witnessing to everybody. I mean, there's like, they, they, they are laying hands on little dogs on the street with broken legs. They're witnessing to somebody that has a bad look on their face. I mean, it's just everywhere. And then we come home. Then we just do our thing and we judge people and look at them. Can't believe they're doing that. Look at them. They need a connection. A connector point. And this, this message, this series, is not even on evangelism. It's on you as a Christian understanding what Christianity is. It is not about me saying, i gotta, I got to share my faith more. No, you need to share your life more. Your life is the greatest witness that you'll ever have. Your time is the greatest evangelistic tool that you'll ever share. That is the way that we minister out of who we are. Ministry is an overflow, not an outflow. It's it's overflow, not an outflow. Do you, do you you know how people burn out. You have outflow with no inflow. You 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 begin to to deposit. You begin to withdraw when the bank account is already reached empty. You you start overdrafting on your spiritual life and your spiritual energy because you're not filling you up, and so you've got nothing to give. An overflow is when God is doing something in me, when my connection to him, when my relationship with him is growing at such a level that out of the overflow of what God's doing in me, people see it and want it. People see what God's doing in my life and want it. I operate different than other people operate. And so because they see that I deal with problems different than other people deal with them. We all get hit with the same things. It's how we deal with them that makes the difference. Listen, if if our faith is not different or does not affect us or does not work for us, why does the world want it? Why should the world want what we have if it doesn't even work for us? You, you ever thought about that? Like, like Christians are, are funny. Like we'll come, we'll, we'll give up Sundays, prime time on Sundays during football season even. I'm going to tell you this. If I wasn't going to do Christianity all the way, there is no way in anywhere that I would be in church on Sunday morning. The reason I come to church is because I'm all into this. This is, this is connection. What God's doing here, we can change the world. I really believe that. The Church of Jesus Christ, Church 1132, I believe we can change the world. I believe that. That's why I do this. That's why I give up time. That's why I sacrifice to be here. This is out of the overflow of what God's already done and what God is already doing. If you haven't been ministering, maybe you need to be ministered to. And you know what? That's not a bad place to be. And everybody goes through seasons where the ministry has to turn to them. The problem when the ministry always becomes you. Because God says he's given, the board says he's given you everything you need for life and godliness. Everybody will go through a desert season. Just make sure you walk through it. The Bible says we go through the valley of the shadow of death. We walk through. Not camp. Not chill out. Not set up a bed, we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Whatever you're walking through, you can walk through, but you know what, you need community. You need people that can walk through life with you. People that you can open your heart and open your life to. Ministry is an overflow, not an outflow. When we get filled up ourselves, people benefit from it. You you, you know what's really important to know? Is that you can't give something you don't have. You can teach a principle. You can try to teach a principle. You can teach it, teach it, teach it. But you reproduce who you are. You, you reproduce. You can tell your kids anything you want. You can tell them as many times as you want to sit around that table. But you've you got to show them. You, you reproduce who you are. It's heavy, isn't it, to think about that we can say whatever we want. But we reproduce actually who we are. The table is about the ministry that overflows from our life. Ministry is not what we think is ministry. Ministry is taking someone with us in the life and the connection with God that we already have. Ministry is a command, not an option. This is heavy because nobody wants to be commanded to do anything. But when Jesus was about to leave the earth, he gave the Great Commission and this is what he said. He says, I want you to go into all the world and Make disciples. Another version says to preach. To, to preach. So right away for us, when we read that, we think, oh, I'm not a preacher. Whew. Missed the Great Commission. Thank God I am not a preacher. No, it's not talking about preaching like this preaching. It's talking about table preaching. It, it, it's talking about your life preaching. Your example preaching. To go and to make disciples. You know how many times Jesus told people to go or to move or to walk or to do something. And as they went, there was healing. As they obeyed, there was breakthrough. As they obeyed or stepped out in faith, there was deliverance. Ministry is a command. It's not an option for a believer. We didn't sign up for this just to be saved and that's it just to be, we didn't have any other friends so we thought we'd go to church. That's not what this is about. Th- th- this is about a mission. This is about an assignment that each of us have, and it freaks some of us out to think about this, that, man, I don't want to invite, I'm an introvert, I don't want to invite anybody to my house, I don't want to get around a table with anybody, I don't, I'm not talking about 30 people, I'm not talking about doing it every single day, but I am saying that you've got to make a decision, this is a challenge for you even this week, I'm challenging everybody in all our services, in all our campuses, you invite someone to dinner. Maybe it's two people, but you get around a table somewhere because that is ministry. Oh, yeah, okay, so, Pastor, what do I do? I, I flip on Bethel music, light the candles, serve the dinner, and then I share my testimony. No. Please don't. Why don't you share your life first? Why don't you share your life first? You know the greatest conversions or breakthroughs that I've seen in people and I get to preach all over the world. I get to, get to preach the gospel to see hundreds and thousands of people come to Jesus all over the place. But you know what means the most to me? Is those relationships, the conversions or the breakthroughs that happen out of relationship. And it's awesome to be able to go and preach. And it's awesome in Nicaragua to see people give their life to Jesus. Open air in the field and then to build them a church. Yeah, that's awesome. But you know what some of the greatest if you want to say achievements or joys of, of my Christian life, not ministry, Christian life, have been breakthrough that's happened through relationship. Years ago, I was, I was uh, when we moved to Texas about 10 years ago, and, and uh, the first thing I did before we started the youth ministry or anything, I, I found a softball team. Uh, I needed a competitive outlet, and, and uh, so uh, I found a, uh, like a like a, like a blog or whatever they are, a board that you can find online to find a team. They really have these things. And, um, and so I'm like, you know, a new star player has moved to Texas. It's skilled in every position. That's about 883. Uh, I mean, has power and accuracy. I mean, just, you know, I kind of just put my resume out there. And um, just took a couple of days to field all the calls. And, and, um, so I, I went I played a tournament. The first weekend I moved to, De- to Texas, and uh, it was about 100 and hell degree, whatever that is. you know. And um, so I went to softball world. That's really a thing as well, softball world. It's in Ulysses, Texas. And um, so I, I, pl- I went to go play a tournament. And so I went and played a tournament, and uh, Pastor Keon was on that team. And so I met, I met Pastor Keon. Only thing was, he wasn't a pastor. And I didn't tell him I was a pastor. Undercover. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you, you can win more people to Jesus not telling them you're a pastor than telling them you're a pastor. I have found that my evangelistic opportunities go out the window the moment I say, I'm a pastor, because they're saying this and saying that. And then it's like, oh, oh well, <clears throat> yeah, I go to church. <laughs> and I'll tell you how you can trick anybody. Okay. I'll tell you how you can trick anybody. Ask them what the name of the pastor is. Okay, that's always the test because you got to be there a couple times to like know the name. And so they're like, well, well, what's bishop and this pastor? It's like, you don't go. It's okay. It's all right. So I went undercover. And Keon and I just became friends. That's it. We just around our own table, the diamond. And 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 we just we just became friends. It's you know, it came... I don't even know how long it was, months and months that we had friendship that finally it came up organically out of relationship, Start coming to church. He came to church and His whole family started coming, rededicated their lives to Jesus. He started serving in the youth ministry, was with me as the youth ministry exploded. We saw hundreds of young people come to know Jesus, over 500 young people, three and a half years. Just incredible move of God through young people. A lot of our staff, a lot of our our people that you see around here got saved back in those days. Keon was serving. and, and, And then he felt the call to ministry And he left everything, corporate America, sold his house, sold his Corvette, sold, uh, and, and came on staff as Pastor Keon. And isn't that powerful? And we all love the birds. We love Keon and Katrina. But you know what? To me, personally, I don't know if it's right or not, but that's more valuable to me. Then traveling and going and seeing different things and, and, and people responding different ways because that happened organically out of, re- it seems like it happened like how Jesus ministered. That out of relationship and who we are, the overflow of life, things happen. And I'm not saying to hide your witness. I'm not saying to hide who you are. I'm not saying you shouldn't share your testimony. I'm saying just build a relationship with someone. Before you blast them with your four spiritual laws, just get to know them. Invite them around a table. Before you start psychoanalyzing them and praying for deliverance and the strongholds to fall off their life and all your morals and standards that you'd like to put on them, just let them eat. (laughs) Build relationship so that you can connect. I want to give you a scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 in the message, verse 3. I feel God doing something today. Even in, in a message like this, I feel like God, I've I, I felt this all week, I've been telling our staff, I sense that God wants to break through, like, like really bring breakthrough in people's lives today. We're going to have a time of prayer at the end today. I believe God's going to bring breakthrough in your life today because part of community is the agreement or the power that happens through prayer. The Bible says where two or three are gathered, he's there in the midst. The Bible talks about healing that comes as a result of praying in community. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3, it says, All praise to the God and Father of our Master, Jesus the Messiah, Father of all mercy. That's what we were going to name the church, but we chose Church 1132. <laughs> God of all healing counsel. I forgot that part. First, all praise to the God and Father. Um, he comes alongside us when we go through hard times. And before you know it, he brings us alongside someone else who is going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. That's ministry. That's what ministry is. Ministry is about sharing your life. It's about taking someone with you. It's about being intentional that says, I am not in this for me. I am going to take someone with me. Maybe you commute. Maybe you have to go check out a, a business in another city. Maybe you take your kids to school every day. Maybe you sit in a carpool lane. Whatever you do, take someone with you. Ministry is not about doing something that you don't do. Ministry is about doing something that you do do and taking someone Someone with you so that they can learn and glean from the life and the testimony of your life. Relational evangelism is the most powerful form of evangelism. Evangelism that comes born out of relationship, oftentimes born around a table, that is breakthrough. Some of the most meaningful conversations, some of the most meaningful relational breakthrough happen in the context of a table, not the context of a church. And I love the church. And I love the corporate gathering, and I love what we do, but I also am passionate about you stepping into everything that God has for you, and to step into everything that God has for you as a believer, as a Christian, then you have to learn how to minister, which has honestly kind of been a bad word for people. I'm not called to the ministry. No, you said yes to Jesus. You're called. You're called. Well, I'm in the fashion industry. Amazing. Pastor, I'm in business. Perfect. Well, pastor, I'm an entrepreneur. (laughs) You got to say it special. That means they're like aspiring to be. um... (laughs) That's awesome. Wherever you are, God can use you. Ministry is about a shared life, a lot of times over a shared meal. But it has impact that will affect eternity. We can keep on packing this place out and keep on adding services, and we will, and keep on adding campuses, and we will. We, we, we'll do that because this is, there's power in this room. And we'll see in just a minute because there's something powerful with the corporate gathering. But, but for you to grow and really be everything that you're called to be, you've got to take somebody with you. So, this is my challenge this week. Some of you, this can be like the biggest thing you've ever done. I don't want you to be invited to dinner, I want you to invite. A pastor, no one's inviting me. Perfect. Perfect. That's exactly how we want it. Because most of our relationships happen accidentally instead of intentionally. But the best best relationships thrive in intentionality. And we have to be intentional. So I want to challenge every single person. We actually, this, we actually have a hashtag that we're going to use. And whenever you get around the table, family or you invite someone, I want to ask you to, in, to use this hashtag. We're going to start tracking. We're going to be posting this whole month of people that as they get around the table, because there's so much power in it. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to tell you this. Some of you are going to do it, and you're going to say, wow, I cannot believe I haven't done this sooner. I cannot believe that I haven't got to know them sooner. We were this weekend spending spending some time with friends, and and I, in in two days we got to know more about them than we'd ever known before. And I'm gonna, I'm just gonna make a disclaimer just just real quick. When I talk about the round the table, I have enough tables to to be around. And uh, so after the first service, we got like forty seven hundred dinner invites and. So I don't count as one of your weekly tables, okay? I will gladly eat your food, but I can't be selfish, okay? Like, we got to spread the wealth. And so just find somebody. Find somebody that kind of looks like you, kind of dresses like you. I guess I'm not going to dinner with anybody. Um, and I already got my boots made fun of this morning, wherever he is, Mr. Mr. Willard. Um... It's Okay. Uh, keep on buying those golf, golf polos, you know. It's, uh, it's, I love him. That's right. Take somebody with you. Take somebody with you. Do what you do. Do what you do. Since I made fun of him, I'll use him as an example. You know, Nate and I, tomorrow morning, we're going to Top Golf. That's where we have our meetings. Because that's something that he does. And something that I try to do. And we can do together. Did you know that that's ministry for us? To each other, relational ministry under the context of something that we already do, that we could do by ourselves, but we're taking someone along. That is ministry, friends. It's easier than you think it is, and if we did it as a church, if we were equipped in this type of relational, missional, assignment-driven living, we could change the world. You could change your community. You'd have more friends than you know what to do with. You'd have more breakthrough than you know what to do with, and you'd be more happy with the church that you call home and the people you call friends than you could ever imagine in your life. Thanks for listening. You can find out more about us at church1132.com.